Thanks for tuning in to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded live in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. For more information, visit banner.church today. Enjoy the message. Amen. I'm glad you're here tonight on Christmas Eve. Wasn't it great to sing carols with our incredible worship band? Can we thank them tonight? That was fantastic. It's always a blast. I I love it. I know as somebody who did worship the Christmas carols, are hard to play, <laughs> but uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity to gather together and to sing about this special night, and that's really why we're here tonight. We're here to celebrate that Jesus is the light of the world, that tonight at Christmas Eve, we gather because of what the Lord did over 2,000 years ago, that he sent his son to the earth to be God in the flesh, to be Emmanuel, God with us. I'd like to read you a scripture today, if I could. Well, I guess it's happening, unless you leave in this moment. But (laughs) I want to read to you from John chapter 1. And the words won't be on the screen, so I invite you very simply to just receive the word today. If you brought your Bible, feel free to join along. But if not, I really encourage you to just put yourself in a posture to receive the beauty of the word of God today. John 1, 1 says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light Shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, that's not the John writing this, that's John the Baptist. And John came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him, meaning through the light. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He comes, He who comes after me ranks before me, because He was before me. For from the fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. You know, when I was a kid, uh, my, my family, we loved to bake. And my mom was a great, a really, really fantastic baker. Uh, 
and really every holiday season we would go wild and baking. And one year my mom decided that she would make biscotti, which if you're not familiar, it's like sugary breadsticks that you have to dip in coffee to make them pliable. Um, they're quite good. Um, <laughs> Uh, but if you would remember that uh, now we have all these websites, different sites you can go to to get recipes, and you can YouTube, you can watch somebody cook it. There's pictures that go along with each thing. But many of you might know, for a long time, recipes were just like on a note card that somebody hastily scribbled down that you have to hope nobody spills anything on for the next 65 years. And you're like, is that a quarter cup of sugar or 14 cups of sugar? We'll never know, right? <laughs> The other option was that you could buy a cookbook, and oftentimes the cookbook would have all kinds of ingredients that you've never heard of from a grocery store that's not the grocery store you're shopping at, right? And uh, all kinds of different methods, and you'd have to be an experienced chef. And we were not uh, experienced chefs uh, by any means. You know, we, we were the, like chicken and potatoes family. We ate good, you know, but I, I didn't really like do any like super fancy cooking when I was younger. And my mom was a great cook, and my dad was a great cook, and my mom wanted to cook this biscotti recipe, so we got the card that was given to her that someone wrote, and we took it to the store, and we went to the spice aisle, and we began to pick out all the different things and have to figure them, like, you know, like star anise, you know, you got to be careful with that one, star anise and sugar and I don't know, whatever else is in there. And uh, we got down the card, and we were looking all, all over the place for this spice called Merillet. And I had never heard of Merillet in my entire life. And so we're looking, we're looking up and down. You'll have like every jar and half of them are turned facing the other way. Like some eighth grader had nothing to do after school except to taunt the next person coming to the spice aisle. And so we're going through, looking at all of them. I think I was probably nine or ten years old. And uh, I, we're looking for this Merillet spice. And eventually we just decide we're going to ask somebody because we are food novices. And my mom goes up to the store worker and she says, do you have any Merillet? And he looks at us like we are from the moon. <laughs> and he says, do you mean Merlot? <laughs> he says, that's a wine. We're like, okay, really tell us what that is. He's like, that's spicy grape juice. It's over here, right? <laughs> like, uh, we didn't drink wine. And, I, I, you know, like when you're locked in in a way of thinking and your brain can't see anything, even no matter how obvious it is, we could not see that this was Merlot. We weren't fancy people. Uh, I don't, <laughs> obviously, right? And uh, so he had to explain to us what it was. He explained, he kind of over-explained it. We're like, okay, thanks, bud. Uh, and then he pointed us in the direction and we got Merlot because apparently you needed it in biscotti. I don't know why. It was like, drink after. I don't know what it was for. But, but you needed it for the recipe. And, uh, it, you know, it was just one of these moments where we probably could have been there for a long time trying to find the thing that we didn't understand, but it took somebody giving us the correct words to put it in a context with which we understood. This is what John is doing in the book of John. You're like, why does the book of John, everyone opens with this like beautiful birth story, and here's John opens, in the beginning was the word. Like it was something monologue you'd have to learn in, in like junior high for drama class, right? In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. I'm sorry, what? Right? Why does John begin with the word? Well, because John is very specifically writing the book of John with a context of speaking to Greeks. And now, 
He could have said the Messiah. He could have said Yahweh. And they would have been like, what's Merlit? Right? It's the same lack of context. They would not have understood because they didn't have this deeply Jewish messianic context. So he took a word that they would have understood. He took the word logos, which means word. But on the surface, he's not talking about speaking. He's talking about something that was very powerful to the Greeks. Because the Greek idea of logos was the power that puts sense to the world. See, the world was seen as chaotic and destructive, and so they were constantly searching for this power, this reason, this logos that put order to a chaotic world. We might call it today, they were searching for a higher power. And so John says, look, this higher power that you have been searching for, I have good news. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the word logos. Jesus is the word was the light that gives light to every person. Jesus is the light. John says he was present at the beginning. He was present at creation. He was involved at creation. John says the word, Jesus Christ, is fully God. And that is important that what John is laying out here for the child who has come, for the life that has come to earth, is that he is fully God. There is no questioning his deity and the deity of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the only way to the Father. If you want eternal life, it goes through me because I'm fully God. But he's also fully man because John says the word who was at creation, he who created life also stepped out of eternity and came to dwell among us. The word became flesh, became physical, walked among us. That's a powerful statement. The Word, Jesus Christ, chose to step down and become intimately aware of human suffering. To become intimately aware of what it means to suffer. Not to be uh, attached to it abstractly or theoretically or to think about it, but to really know what it means to suffer and then to bear our suffering. Why? Why come to the earth? Why come as, as a baby? Why come live a life? Why suffer? Because he came so that we might no longer be trapped in darkness. He came to bring light and to bring life. I was just up in Winslow, Arizona uh, th this past week. And if you're not familiar with Winslow, it, it is, it's kind of like way east of Flagstaff and way west of New Mexico. <laughs> That's pretty much where it lives. It's, it's a cool space, but it is incredibly dark when you get out of the town of like 3,000 people because it's, at, it's really high up. It was 9 degrees when we were there. I couldn't even breathe. I am a wuss when it comes to cold. I know some of you are here from like Stacansia and Saskatchewan or wherever you're from, and you're wearing shorts and loving it. I thought I was going to die. That was, that's my story. <laughs> Welcome. 
And, uh, but when you get out of the town, it is so dark. And, I mean, you can see all kinds of stars, but the stars do not help you. You are in the desert. There's, it is just open for as far as you can see. And then there's just these drop-off cliffs. I can't imagine. Could you imagine navigating that at night? There were literally sheer drop-offs where you could walk and then look, and you could touch the top of a 20-foot-tall tree because there's just this slot canyon that goes down. If you were in a wagon clickety-clacking down the track, just whoop, we lost Jebediah. <laughs> because the desert at night is a scary place. If you didn't know, all the animals in the desert come out at night. And when they come out at night, it's because they're hungry. And you're made of meat. That's how it works, right? It's a scary place. Israel, when they are taken out of Egypt, when they are rescued from slavery... God takes them to the promised land. He takes them through the desert. He takes them to the promised land. They reject God, but God still has a plan to restore and redeem his people. So he says, fine, you're going to wander the desert for 40 years. It's your kids who are going in, because I'm not giving up on my plan, though you might have rejected it. And in the desert, I can't even begin to imagine how that area of the peninsula, how dark, how truly dark that would be at that time. And this is, we're talking B.C., y'all. There's no electricity right? There's like barely oil lamps at this time. Dark, 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 dark. But what's powerful about God's relationship with his children is that he set his presence to be with them. Hear me, he set his presence to be with them, and one of the ways it was with them was by a pillar of fire. Now you can get a lot of light out of one match. Pillar of fire, that's a good amount of light. So God is not only providing a, a, a special sense of direction, he's providing a visibility, a clarity, but he's providing an assurance to them. See, the pillar of fire and the presence of God would rest in a place called the tabernacle. Now, eventually the people are going to build the temple, the permanent residence of God. But until then, while they're in the desert, they had a temporary, uh, like, like uh, the tiny homes people are dragging behind their cars, is they had the tabernacle. The presence of God, but a little more dramatic. They had the tabernacle. And the presence of God would reside, would reside there, and it would lead them, but it secured them in a few things. It secured them in the knowledge that they were being led towards hope. It secured them in trusting in who God was, and it secured them because His presence was their salvation. See, the Israelites were not profoundly marked by anything as a nation. They were, they were pretty good warriors. They were decent poets, but they weren't, like, uh, you know, substantially known as, you know, uh, you know, Byzantine mathematicians or anything like that. They were specifically marked by God's presence. So much so that when Moses is sent up, he says, don't send us up without your presence. God's presence was a light that led them, a light that secured them, God's presence was their salvation in their darkest night. And so for generations after that time in the desert, the Jewish people would gather for a feast. And there's some incredible feasts on the Jewish calendar, but one of them is the Feast of Tabernacles. And it's a time where they would remember that light, that fire, that resided with them in the tabernacle, specifically that God was with them, that his presence was with them. 
And it's pretty cool. They would, uh, when they could, when they weren't in exile or in some nation or, you know, I don't know, under slavery for some reason, they would gather in the temple, and there was a court called the Court of Women, and that meant that everyone could go there, including women. And they would gather in this space, and they would light these, I want to say candelabra because it's the closest visual, but when I say candelabra, all I think is like Munsters or like 1980s weddings. That's all I can picture because that's where my brain goes. But I want you to just try to picture, they are massive pillars and candles they would light that would burn constantly and be incredibly bright. They would light these massive pillars, almost pillars of fire, to symbolize this light. And then literally, men and women, they would just dance and praise and sing songs, hymns, all kinds of songs to the Lord, celebrating His presence and who he is. And oftentimes it was followed by cries for God's presence to be physically with Israel because they missed it. God, we want you to be with us. We long for you to be with us. They celebrated when the light of God was with them and they were looking desperately for it to return. And it's at this feast when Jesus gets up and he says something. Jesus had the best timing. The best timing. He gets up in John chapter 8, and it says this in verse 12. It says, Jesus spoke to them. Everyone's gathered. They're gathered for the feast. There's the anticipation of the light that's going to be lit to show, and they're going to celebrate. And remember when God was with them, the light of salvation. And he says in verse 12, Jesus spoke to them saying, I and the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's a powerful statement to make, but it's really powerful when you understand the context that he spoke it into. People longing for the light of God's presence. Israel had been waiting for the light of salvation for generations since Isaiah had prophesied. God spoke through Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, and said, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelled in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Verse 6, he says, For to us, God speaks through the prophet to say, For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What is Jesus saying? What is the gospel saying? John chapter 1, the Word, the Word. Saying that Jesus, who is holy God, has come to the earth as light to bring light to darkness. And darkness has not overcome it. In fact, the light has overcome darkness and brought hope and still to this day brings hope. And it's not the hope of a temporary presence. It's not the hope of a temporary meeting of needs. It is the hope of an eternal salvation. That Jesus, who was born as a baby, the Scoogs brought their adorable baby here like two days after he was, he was born. <laughs> a baby, born as a baby in a manger to come to the earth to truly walk, to truly live a perfect life, and then to take our sins upon the cross, nailing them to the cross, being lowered in the grave, and rising the resurrection of life, 
to lead us to salvation and eternal peace. That is why we're here tonight. As we reflect on Christmas, it is not about the present. It's not even about the great candles we're going to light in a second, though those are great symbols, and I do enjoy lighting them. We're here because Jesus is speaking the same message today. To those in darkness, he's saying, I am the light who has come near on your darkest day. To those who are feeling exhausted, hopeless, and worn out, Jesus is saying, I am the light that has overcome the darkness. And to those who have never experienced the hope and healing that comes through Jesus Christ and the freedom and the power of a new life in Jesus, he is saying, I am the light of salvation to bring you life. For all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. All who confess Jesus as Lord receive the light of life, and in so doing, eternal life. I'm going to invite the band up today. So I want to invite you to reflect in this moment. My favorite thing about this service is that we reflect on the light that is Jesus Christ. Jesus, the light of the world. Would you do this with me today? Would you stand? And would you bow your heads? And would you close your eyes? And I very simply, before we reflect on the light and light candles and sing, I want to invite you and ask you two simple questions. For those today, with every eye closed and every head bowed tonight, for those who do not know the light, who have not experienced the miraculous hope and healing of Jesus Christ, but are saying today, I want to receive the light that has come into the darkness. Can I tell you that the Lord says, and Scripture says, that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And if you're here today and you say, I need new life through Jesus Christ, you may receive it today and walk in a relationship with him. If that's you and you're saying today, I don't know the light and I'd like to receive him today, I'm just going to very simply invite you to lift your hand up and put it back down. For joining us online, I just invite you, you can lift your hand up, put it back down. It's not between me and you, it's between you and the Lord anyways. I want to pray for you today. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you came and died for our sins. Lord, I thank you that you made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that through him we might become the righteousness of God. That God, when you look at us, you do not see our sin, but you see the covering of the blood of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that though all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that you also say, that all those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we surrender our hearts to you and repent of all unrighteousness and receive you as our Lord and Savior. Second thing I want to pray before we take a time to reflect on the light is for those today who are walking into this place not feeling reflective and peaceful and restful, but feeling overwhelmed, maybe even overcome, feeling exhausted and anxious, carrying the burdens and the hurts. And you're saying today, I need the Holy Spirit to restore and renew my heart that I might dwell in, with the hope of the light of Jesus Christ. If that's you today. You're saying, Holy Spirit, would you renew my heart and restore the hope that comes through Jesus Christ? 
Would you just lift your hands? I want to pray just a renewal prayer over you today. Jesus, I thank you for your great love. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here today with us. And I pray over every person who is saying, Lord, I need to be renewed. I know that Jesus is the light. I know that he's overcome, but I'm feeling a little overwhelmed and overcome in this season. I pray that you would place your peace upon them in this moment, that you would restore their hearts and renew their spirits. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Banner Church Podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.